right. Uh, we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, particularly, I'll be talking about compassion today. And I'll be starting off in the book of Lamentations, chapter 3. And while you all are turning there, uh, 22nd, 23rd verse is uh, where I'll start. Uh, I'll open up in a brief word of prayer. Father God, uh, I thank you so much, Lord, uh, for entrusting me with the ministry of your word. Um, Father God, I just uh, pray that you use this vessel to be a blessing to those who are hearing uh, this message today uh, for the glory of your name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And I'm reading in a couple of verses. Uh, I prefer ESV, uh, but different translations have slightly different wording. Uh, but Lamentations 3, verses 22 to 23 in the ESV translation reads, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The NIV words it this way, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. You know, I'm ever grateful to God for his compassion. For his loving compassion towards me and towards us all. You know, I think we ought to always keep sight of that. Um, it is by the Lord's compassion and the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. And before I go on, I want to give a, as best I can a definition of compassion. Um, and what I uh, have written here, what I got was that the true definition of compassion involves a tangible expression of love for those who are suffering or struggling, someone in need, a tangible expression of it. It's not just an awareness of it. It's not just a desire, uh, you know, to lessen uh, their uh, pain, but a compassionate person recognizes the suffering of others and then takes action to help. Uh, the parable that immediately comes to mind is the Good Samaritan. And there are dozens and dozens of examples of different characters in the Bible that display, and there, there were so many to choose from, but uh, having so many to choose from, who better to look at that as an example than Jesus Christ? And so I'm going to go through two passages today, uh, one of which will be in Mark chapter 6, verses 30 to 34. And I'll read them. And it says, the apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. I want us to really pay attention to that. 
They had been ministering. They had been spending themselves. They're tired. They're exhausted. And how many of you know after a long, hard day's work, you just want to go home and unwind, right? You know, you don't want the kids drawing on you. You know, the kids haven't seen you all day. If you're a parent, you know, you're like, look, I put in nine grueling days. If If it's a customer service oriented deal, you know, sometimes we're not dealing with the nicest people. You know, uh, whatever service you provide, whatever product it is you support, they haven't had a good experience with it out of the box. All right? They paid their good, their hard-earned money, and the product that they were excited to be able to use is not working. So they're not in the best of moods when they call you asking for help, right? And then wash, rinse, repeat. And so finally, we're ready, you know, and, and oh, and God forbid, you have to deal with them face-to-face. At least if it's over the phone, that's one thing. But if you work in a retail place and you've got to deal with the person across the counter, they're not going away, right? And, and, and things can escalate. And so you deal with that over and over and over again. You've had your fill. You know, you just want to go and take a nasty plunge somewhere. You just, you know... Or you just want to let Calgon take you away, you know? You just want to go and just relax, rest, and find your little happiest place and just not be bothered. Form a bubble around yourself. But life doesn't always work that way. They have worked hard. They're trying to get off to a desolate place so they can rest a while. But let's read on. For many were coming and going. There were people coming and going all over the place. And they had no leisure even to eat. They weren't even able to take a quick meal snack break, right? They're working nonstop all day because people are coming and going. There's a lot of people in need. There's a lot of people drawing on them. And so Jesus said, let's steal away, find a desolate, quiet place and rest a while. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Isn't it frustrating sometimes when, you know, you're dropping all kinds of hints and someone just doesn't seem to be getting them? You know, I'm, I'm ready to disengage here, right? <laughs> I'm done with this. But, but the person is in need. And, and so, but many saw them going and recognized them. And they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. And when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd. Now, I want to talk about that because many of us have been at this place and you might be at this place right now. So how many times do we have plans? All right. We, we have certain expectations. We have plans. Uh, we, we have our own needs. And so I have plans on how I can meet or have my needs met. And then someone intrudes upon that. And re- re- remind yourselves in that moment, you know, how you typically feel. What wells up in you in that moment is usually not compassion. I'll let you define what wells up, <laughs> but uh, what, what I will say doesn't usually well up is compassion for the person who is intruded <laughs> upon our plans, right? 
But Jesus not only is our Savior, but he modeled for us how we were to walk in this freedom that he was dying to give us. Right? So he is our example here of how to walk as free men and women of God, as the children of God, right? So here he is, perfect opportunity to, 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 to get crossways with these people. They should have gotten a hint. Hey, we drove off alone in a boat because we didn't, we wanted a break from the crowd. But the crowd figured out where they were going and got there before them. And he saw the great crowd and it says he had compassion on them. Because when he saw them, he recognized something. He saw them and didn't see them as nuisances. He saw them and didn't see them as annoyances. He saw them and didn't see them as inconveniences. He saw them like sheep without a shepherd. He was able to see beyond his own need and see their need. These people are leaderless. They're shepherdless. They have needs that no one is able to meet. And now having found that we are able to meet those needs, they are not, they're not going to let us go. Right? And so he's able to see that and he has compassion on him. So he recognized their suffering. And his compassion provokes him to kindness. And what does it say he does? He began to teach them many things. I, I just, Jesus is always the best example in my, you know, uh, I think we all will agree with that. Uh, you know, but yet and still, he took off, he sacrificed all of his uh, godly authority and everything, and he put on human flesh, and he walked as a man. And he, having walked as a man, he felt everything that we feel. He encountered every struggle that we do. He was tested and tempted in every way that we are. And he had the same choices that we do. Right? And yet he did not sin. Right? So he's the example for us that one, it's not sin to be angry. It can become sin based on what we do with that anger. Right? It's not sin to be frustrated. Or to consider someone annoying, that they're being annoying. But it can become sin if we allow, stay in that corner mindset and act on that. All right? And so we can, let's not waste time condemning ourselves for having those feelings. What our, what our objective needs to be, what do I do with those feelings in the moment? All right? What is my choice? What is the choice before me? Okay, and, 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 and the simple, just to simplify it, there is a choice. Do I honor myself or do I honor the Lord? Do I concern myself most with what I need or do I 
concern myself with the needs of others so that I can have, can I have compassion on others even when I'm not in the best place myself? I guess that's the best way to put it. I think it's all right. I, I think I want to take the taboo off of this stuff. We say, oh, we can't get mad. That's Man, I look at some of those psalms. There is anger being spewed at God at the beginning of some of those psalms. There is frustration. God, this is not right. I'm living for you. I see the people with you getting the short end of the stick, and those who are not living for you are living high on the hog. It's not right. And then the psalmist says, I almost slipped. Then I remembered their end. You know, God's a big God. He can handle our frustrations. He can handle our attitudes. He can handle us admitting and acknowledging that we're angry at him because we felt like we've let him down in some kind of way. It's okay for us to start there as long as we don't park there. Okay? We can be honest with God because guess what? He knows our heart anyway. He knows you feel that way even if you don't admit it, even if you're not admitting it to yourself. So let's... Let's be real with God, okay? And just acknowledge and put out, there on the, put out there on the table where we're at. Sometimes just doing that, just, just uttering it, getting, giving voice to it it, it, it begins to dislodge something. It breaks things loose, and, and it begins to move us toward healing. I, I just, for some reason, I just felt like uh, some uh, needed to hear that. But he's in that moment. Perfect opportunity for him to get an attitude and tell people, look, uh, come back in a couple of hours. I don't have time for y'all right now. I need to rest. And yet, he expressed sacrificial love here. There was a kindness toward them that was born out of compassion. That led him to minister to those people. I, I want you to uh, move on over to Luke chapter 7. I'm going to try not to park anywhere as long as I have to. And this is the only other long passage, uh, fairly long passage that I'm going to cover today. I could have covered a more familiar passage, uh, John chapter 11, uh, Martha, Mary, Lazarus. Um, super long passage, and uh, I think we uh, would have been here a long time. <laughs> I think we can do the same with this uh, a lesser, probably lesser known passage, but there is uh, some stuff here for us as well. Luke chapter 7, starting with the 11th verse. It says, soon afterward, he went to a town called Nain. And his disciples and a great crowd went with him. As he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a woman, I'm sorry, behold, a man who had died was being carried out. 
No one expected Jesus' arrival. No one is asking Jesus to do anything. He's approaching this town, and upon approaching the gate, he is witnessing that someone had died, and they're carrying his body outside the gate. He was the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a considerable crowd from the town was with her. So let's, let's just park there for a minute or two. So this man died. He's not an old man, all right? He's, a, he's an adult, but he's a young man. It doesn't say what he died of, but he died. He was the only son. So this woman had lost her only son. This son was the one who would be providing for her. Why? Because she was a widow. Her husband had already died. So in the middle of her grief of losing a son, there's also uh, some issues of how is she going to make it going forward? She's lost her husband and she just lost her only son. And when the Lord saw her, what does it say about him? What did he have? He had compassion on her. She didn't, it doesn't say here that she recognized him. It doesn't say here that she said, Lord, can you raise my son from the dead? He came up on the scene, saw her, her knew her situation, and just had compassion on her immediately. And he said three simple words to her at first, do not weep. It, I don't know, little things like that really, uh, it really gets me, you know, it really speaks to me. Because this woman has every reason to weep. Okay, she's already lost her husband, she just lost her only son, she's lost a child, no parent wants to outlive their children. And yet Jesus, before he does anything, he comes up to her and he says, he's now, this is out of a heart of compassion. Do not weep. And I can only imagine, it's how my mind works, what she must, what words must have formed in her mind immediately on that statement. Because see, Jesus knows what he's going to do. She doesn't. She hasn't asked him anything. Right? And so this guy comes up to her. She doesn't know. While they're carrying the body of her son to go be buried, and his first words to her are, do not weep. I've been at many of funerals. I have officiated a few. I have dealt with many a grieving family. And I've never led with, don't cry, with someone who has lost a loved one. His ways are not our ways, his thoughts are not our thoughts. But he leads and he says, do not weep. Then he came up right after that and touched the beer. It's not the drink. It's what they carried the body on. He touched the beer and the bearers stood still. And he said, young man. I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. And Jesus gave him to his mother. 
Wow. We're talking about, and I swear to you, we do not coordinate these things. That the hope arise and that song is, seems to be perfect for this scene right here. And yet here it was, this, this, this that was dead. It seemed to be over. He was dead. There's nothing that could be done. This dear son that she loved was dead, and yet she has one encounter with Jesus, and Jesus does the impossible. He takes that which was dead and gives it life. And I want to use that to encourage you this morning. There may be some things you think are dead. You may think they're dead and that they're beyond hope. That they are beyond life being breathed in again. Don't you sell Jesus short. Because what is dead, he can breathe life into. What is dead, he can say, arise. And it will have no choice but to rise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. And I love this. And Jesus gave him to his mother. I think most of us here in some way or another has experienced loss. I am so humbled and so grateful to God that we have a compassionate Savior that even in those areas that where we have messed up, where we are a the, the reason or a major reason why the thing is dead that we're lamenting right now. We've kicked ourselves. We've we've loaded our minds with these toxic bullets called thoughts and we shooting ourselves over and over and over again with them. These bullets coming out of our mouths, just beating ourselves down over and over and over again as we relive these mistakes because we believe all hope is lost. It 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 cannot be it cannot live again. It's over. It's done. I would say before you reach such a conclusion, you better see what God has to say about it. You better take it to the Lord first and see what he has to say about it. Because if Jesus wants it to live, it can't stay dead. You may have killed it. Your actions or your indifference, whatever it is. You need to get the focus off of you and remind yourself who you belong to and what his heart is toward you and what he is capable of. 
Are you hearing that? Because we have that habit as human beings. We have that habit of thinking that if I messed up, then I, God's not going to do anything because I deserve this. I, I'm not the only one who's felt that before, am I? Are there any witnesses here? And so because we believe that, you know, the, the, those toxic thoughts, because we believe that, then we're not able to operate in faith with him and trust God to do what he wants to do for us. Now, this is not displayed by this woman. I'm speaking to you what I believe God has put on my heart, okay? Notice, this woman did not even ask Jesus to do what he did. But his compassion was so strong. He, he sympathized. He empathized. He, his heart went out to her so much that he was moved to raise her son. It encourages me that my Savior has that kind of compassion. He's not up there counting good deeds and bad deeds and weighing scales and all this. He died for all of my bad deeds. Right? He died for my imperfections. He made me the righteousness of God in him. Right? And for better or for worse, because of what Christ did on the cross, because he rose from the dead, proving that he is Lord and Savior of all. Because of what he did, I am a son. And I'm not a son because I earned sonship. I'm a son by grace through faith. I'm a son because of what he did for me and the gift that he gave me. Okay? And I, I may be walking as a bad son right now, but it doesn't change the fact that I'm a son. Okay? And as a son, it doesn't change the fact that my father loves me. So he gave, he raised her son and gave him back to her. We like to focus on the miracles, the amazing things that resulted. But this miracle started with a heart of compassion. It started with him caring enough to do something. You know, we don't have to see the dead raised in order to see the Lord glorified. We don't have to see the dead raised in order to see the Lord glorified. How many of you know God is glorified by our being compassionate, by our by, by kindness that's born out of that compassion. And sometimes it will lead to miraculous things. Someone can be healed. Someone can be delivered. Someone can be saved. But you know, it can also, it's just as big a miracle if someone is, is, is encouraged. If it helps somebody get through. A difficult time in our lives. That someone cared enough to show up and be there as I was trying to figure things out. Right? 
in my moment where I felt alone, I felt lonely, I felt hopeless, someone came. And they sat beside me. They didn't have a miracle miracle cure. They didn't have exactly the right words to say. There were times they didn't even have anything to say. But, but their presence meant the world. You know, um, and I believe that that's what God is calling us to because, you know, the Bible says that he's an ever-present help. All right? He is there with us. We're not alone even if we don't feel him. He wants to be there with us every in every situation. He wants to show himself strong on our behalf in every situation. Now, this was a this was a miracle raising someone from the dead. And as a result, fear seized them all. They glorified God saying a great prophet has arisen among us. They didn't know him. They didn't know he was the son of God. But they 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 were after that, they knew he was from God. He represented the Lord. They just thought he was a great prophet. And God has visited his people. And this report about him spread through the whole of Judea and all the surrounding country. Who knows how God will use us? If we simply, you know, commit to having hearts of compassion. Compassion is one of the fruit of the Spirit. Who knows how God will use us if we simply commit to being compassionate people? As if we're, if we're compassionate, tenderhearted, then we'll be willing to act when we see others in need. I've already said this, but it bears repeating. All hope, somebody needs to hear this today, all hope is not lost. All hope is not lost. I don't know what that means to you, but if that's, I'll tell you what, if you need to hear that today, then I want you to hear it, and I want you to process it, and I want you to meditate on it, and I want you to receive that as encouragement from the Lord, because that's what God is saying to you through this imperfect vessel. All hope is not lost. What is dead, Christ Jesus can make alive again. And as we consider the compassion God has shown to us in the person of Christ Jesus, we can respond with compassion to those around us. I've got a couple of verses I want to finish with today. and Couldn't make up a mind, so there's two translations of each of these verses. 1 Peter 3.8 says in the ESV, Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humbled mind. 
The New King James Version says it this way. Finally, all of you be of one mind, have compassion for one another. So compassion, sympathy, empathy, however you want to rephrase it. Uh, have compassion for one another. Love as brothers. Be tenderhearted. Be courteous. Did y'all uh, remember what I used as a, a loose definition for compassion? A tangible expression of love. Thank you. So it's 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 love in action, right? It's seeing need, having compassion that provokes you to action, right? So it's a tangible expression of love. Ephesians 4 verse 32 starting in the ESV be kind to one another tender hearted forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. The NIV says it this way be kind and compassionate to one another forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. You know, I wanted to finish it up, uh, finish it up there on that note because of that last phrase, just as in Christ, God forgave you. You know, we are the beneficiaries of compassion every day. Um, it said in Lamentations at the very beginning that his mercies or his compassions are new every morning, right? And so they have to be new every morning because we're us, right? <laughs> I mean, I mean, we're going, uh, if we could be perfect, then we would still be under the law, all right? But the law proved to us that we could not honor the law. We could not live perfectly under the law. So we were condemned by it. So it led us to Christ, the one who could do what we couldn't do. And he became the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, right? And he did that, Romans 5, 8 says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Okay? And the Bible says that he is at the right hand of the Father ever interceding for us. All right, just 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 reminding the cross. <laughs> there is grace. There is mercy. There is mercy. But I died for them. Amen. And so he's doing that for us. And as his representatives, he asks us or commands us. All right, to let that fruit of compassion be a living reality in our lives. Because I mean. That's as a representative of him, we are to be a reflection of him. Are you hearing me? And so, let's be kind and compassionate to one another. Um, I, I like the way that it, it's combined kind and compassionate. So, like, they're, I don't know, uh, sometimes it seems like they're synonymous, but then you see them separated. <laughs> so there is a kind of a distinction, but there is some overlap there. Um, I believe the kindness 
is the action, acts of kindness. I believe those acts of kindness can be born out of different motivations. God wants our motivation to be compassion. Because I can do something for you with my own benefit in mind, right? I, I can have my selfish motives for doing acts of kindness. But God wants us to do, it's really not an act of kindness if I'm focused on my benefit, right? It wasn't to Christ's benefit or the disciples' benefit when they were tired and fatigued and wanting to steal away and get some rest, grab a bite to eat, just regroup and recharge so they can re-engage and minister to people, right? So, uh, and but when the people wouldn't let them do it, it wasn't to his benefit to have compassion on them and minister to their need. It was to their benefit. So he sacrificed, he and his disciples sacrificed what they planned to do in order to meet the needs of the people who were burdened. All right? And to me, he did it out of a heart of compassion. You know, and I believe that God wants to deal with our heart, um, the motives of our heart. Sometimes we could be doing the right actions, but not out of the right motives. And so I want to, I want to, because it's not a beat down message. I hope it's not coming across that way. It's, it's just a, a, a challenge and an encouragement to us to let's focus on the motivations of our heart. God wants us to be compassionate people and, and, and we want to, we want uh, uh, to make an, a tangible expression of love from the heart of God, that we can look at people's needs and, and, and whatever we observe, and we can see it through eyes that are seeing from a heart of compassion. Okay? And, 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 and that way we're tenderhearted when we're seeing it, and, and we're open to be, for God to speak to us uh, on how we might be able to bless people in that situation. Does that make sense? So, so the f compassion. In other words, the fruit of the spirit that God desires from us includes kindness born out of compassion. Kindness born out of compassion. I'm going to ask you guys to stand. And uh, and help me out here as I uh, sing a song that's inspired by Lamentations. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. New every morning. Great is your faithfulness, O Thy faithful.
Father God, we just thank you so much for you, for great is your faithfulness. And, and we thank you for your steadfast love, for your heart of compassion that motivates your many un, uncountable acts of kindness toward us. Father, um, you bless us, Father God, uh, a lot of times despite ourselves. <laughs> and, 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 and I thank you, Lord, that you're not slack as men count slackness, but you're long-suffering toward us. Um, and, and we're so grateful, Lord. Lord, remind us of your tender mercies. Remind us, Father God, of the compassion that provokes your acts of love and kindness toward us. And Father God, open our eyes and, 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 and give us a, a taste and a desire, Father, to develop the same heart of compassion that will provoke us to do the same to others. Acts of love and kindness that will bring glory to you, Father. That will truly bless people in their time of need. Father, we want to be kingdom people who are bearing fruit for you. And the fruit today that we're talking about is compassion. And we're just inviting you. We're surrendered to you and we're inviting you to deal with us, Father God, in our innermost heart, in our innermost being. Put your compassion in us in such a way that we, like Jesus, will choose to love people even when it's a challenge for us. To love and, and, and be tenderhearted and be kind toward people even if they're interrupting our plans. Even if they're trying to draw from us when we feel like we need to be filled. Help us to realize that we can trust you and we can lean on you for you have an endless supply of provision for us. That even when we feel empty, we can be a conduit through which your sufficiency flows to someone else. This is what we pray, Father God, and, and we know it to be your heart, so we know that you hear us. And I uh, thank you, Father, because I know we've already have that which we have asked you for. Uh, so, Father God, uh, we thank you for beginning that work in us and we look forward to the day that is complete father god and uh father we just pray that you be glorified and exalted through us in jesus name amen amen <laughs>